بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم The point we're going to be looking at today says تمكن حلاوة الهوى تمكن حلاوة الهوى من القلب هو الداء العضال تمكن حلاوة الهوى من القلب هو الداء العضال This is underscoring the biggest problem that most of us will be facing in our pursuit of the path of ma'rifah This is what takes the ground away from beneath us this is what causes us obstacles. This is what chains us back, shackles us. Incurable sickness results when the sweetness of passion takes possession of the heart. Incurable sickness results when the sweetness of passion takes possession of the heart. He's saying it's incurable. So this doesn't sound very optimistic. What this means is, <clears throat> whenever we get a sweetness, which means a pleasure, out of any kind of fulfillment of desire, whether that be desiring lots of sleep, desiring food, a person should sleep at least around seven hours a day. That's nobody saying, go less than that. We need it, and generally that's recommended. Yes, you do hear of stories of individuals, both religious and otherwise, who lasted on less than seven hours of sleep. When we were recently in <clears throat> West Africa, one of the big uh, Sufi sheikhs there who passed away, Sheikh Ibrahim Yas, who's had a lot of influence in the area, until he was... So, <clears throat> as I was saying, uh, this Sheikh Ibrahim Niyas. Until he was, I can't remember the exact, but it was something like 30-something years old, he didn't sleep at all at night. And then after that, he started sleeping two hours. That's exceptional. And uh, a, a, a recent article that I read on this to topic is that you need to sleep enough to be able to let the, the brain cells refresh themselves, the toxins that have been released with the constant movement uh, throughout the day, uh, to, to remove that. So it has a repairing system in sleep. That's why you feel much more fresh afterwards. There are certain people though that article said who are exceptional in this case. They don't need that. They can go without it. They won't feel groggy the next day. They won't feel uh, dull-witted. They will not feel uh, less fresh and so on and so forth. So there are people like this. And there's numerous scholars that we can actually uh, Lucy, etc. had this as well. However, for most people they need to sleep. However, when sleeping becomes a passion when it becomes sloth, when it becomes eating, and other haram desires. So these are there's halal, there's haram desires. So what he's saying here is that you get a sweetness from these things, that's why we do it. At the end of the day, the reason we do this, and we'd rather do that than to sit in dhikr, the reason we do that rather than to read the Qur'an, rather than to do even serious study, is because there's a certain sweetness that's felt. And that is why the nafs is more dangerous than the shaitan. Because... It's a sweetness very close to home. It's a sweetness very close to home. And it's called the halawatul hawa. Hawa means desire and halawa means sweetness. 
So the sweetness of desire is of two types. Now this is, <clears throat> the, the benefit of this is that it will tell us what kind of desire is able to be <clears throat> controlled more easily and what is not uh, to be controlled more easily. He says, هَوَ النَّفْسُ وَهَوَ الْقَلْبُ One is the desire of the nafs. The other one is the desire of the heart. And here we're talking about egotistic desire. Here we're talking about negative desire, not correct desire, hawa. Hawa, although the word hawa is a generic, neutral term by its origin, it can be used for good desire or bad desire, to want something. <clears throat> However, <clears throat> it uh, has become used, used to, um, uh, in the negative sense. There's certain terms like that. They become attached to the negative sense of it more than they do to the positive sense of it. For example, sirat al-mustaqim, the path, sirat. Sirat is more positive. Right? So you have these terms like that. This is the way languages are. Certain terms, though, literally speaking, they have no bad meaning. But then they suddenly become negative. For example, capitalism. Right? That in itself is not an intrinsically bad word. But because of the abuses. Politics is another one. So now, when you use the word politics, how can he be in politics? That's, um, uh, what do you call it, inappropriate. It's negative. You know, it's deceptive. This is the, these are kind of connotations. So, there is the desire that the nafs produces, and there's the desire that the heart produces. Now, which one do you think is worse? He says the hawa nafs, the one of the nafs, is it goes back to, uh, the, the, uh, that's attached to all of those uh, desires that are to do with the body. They're all to do, to do with the body. For example, the sweetness you feel when eating. Sweetness here means the, the, the good experience you have. Because it's a sense of sweetness, it's not bitter, that's why you do it. The food, may be, the food may be hot, but you feel that that's what you like. So there's a sweetness to, the, to, to it, which means there's a pleasure. So the pleasure of eating, drinking, garments, clothing, clothing handbags, coats, jackets, cars, you know, whatever. Um, marakib, which is a means of conveyance. Manakih, marriage. To do it for only the purpose of desire. Right? To do it only for the purpose of desire. To, now here he's probably also taking into consideration in those times when people used to get married more than one. Just purely to fulfill extra desire, to have extra variety. Right? Not to really, one is that a person has a lot of desire and he needs to get married. That's, that's uh, recommended. That's sunnah. Anybody who says, I don't want to get married, they're going against the sunnah. It's as simple as that. doesn't matter how pious this individual is. Yes, we've had ulama al-uzzab, we've had individuals in the past who didn't get married for whatever, some circumstances. But the Prophet in the Prophet's time, as you know, there's a certain Sahaba who said, I just want to worship, I don't want to engage myself in any of this, I'm not going to marry. The Prophet says, I am the most pious of you, and I'm married to nine. <clears throat> and <clears throat> that's why there's actually a hadith in which he mentions that it is superior to worship your Lord while you meet, while you are in contact with people, than to try to worship your Lord when you're not in contact with people. So it's superior to be worshipping your Lord while you still deal with people because we are social creatures. It sounds very easy. The nafs does make it sound nice sometimes that you should just stay alone. 
But that's not accomplishment. We are social creatures. That's our nature. The Prophet ﷺ was like that. The other Prophets were like that. masakin, And then above that is places of residence. Adorning the place of residence. Buying a new house. Buying a better house. Buying a bigger house. Better area. And so on. Sometimes you need to do that to get away from bad company. Children are in bad company. That's understandable. But if it's just a status symbol. Just for the love of nice things around you. Realizing I've only got 20 years left in this life, 30 years left in this life, or maybe less. 30 years is by statistics. 40 years may be by statistics, but really maybe less than that. All of this, because it's to do with the jism, it's to do with our bodies, all of this is to do with the nafs. Then he says, al qalb, those to do with the heart are different, which is shahawatu al ma'nawiyya. These are the, 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 these are, they don't really have, they're more of a, a mental problem they're more of a psychological problem they're more of a an abstract issue that has nothing to do with feeling meaning physical feeling these this is non-physical so for example <clears throat> the love of influence the love of fame the love of renown feeling famous in fact uh, Imam Ghazali mentions that the love of renown is worse than the love of money. The reason is that with money, a number of things, you have to look after it. It decreases by using using it. You have to look after it. Renown doesn't need as much looking after. You don't need to keep it as safe. Yes, you need to keep away from doing things which are unbefitting. But then today there's renown in totally negative aspect. The more worse you act on stage, the more you do weird things and uh, ugly things the more famous you become because there's a market for that as well <clears throat> but so it doesn't need to be protected as much number two money doesn't increase on its own you have to work hard to invest it and in increase it whereas fame only increases as long as you play it right fame only increases today 10 people know about you tomorrow an additional 20 will know about you and as more people hear about you, the more it will spread, the more that starts to affect you. That is why that is very difficult to deal with. You may be fine from a sincerity perspective one day. You've managed to convince yourself that this is all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You've got it right. Tomorrow somebody will come and praise you. They'll write a nice comment online about you. You'll get a bigger following on YouTube or um, uh, what you call it, Facebook. Or somebody will say something nice or somebody will praise you. And then that exercise of restraint, ikhlas, has to come in again. So that's an ongoing endeavor. That's why, finally, his conclusion after mentioning a number of the comparisons, he says that the love for fame is worse. It, it, um, the love for money, when money is gone, then you know, th th there's, there's a certain uh, aspect there. The love for fame is, uh, subhanAllah, it's, it's worse, he says, because... It takes much longer for it to actually go. It, pro it pro produces a bigger challenge. Okay, so he says, like the love for fame, leadership, honor, praise, all of this. These are all... Imam Ghazali mentions that people like to have leadership. They like to influence people because this is a natural trait in the human to make themselves out to be bigger than others. So 
if it's such that he this person does it through creating love among people or a person is doing nice things a person is doing praiseworthy things so then what happens is <clears throat> people begin to naturally love them the challenge here now is to not let that get to your heart not that make not let not that be a personal thing where you start enjoying and basking in the glory of people loving you he says in the same way there's people who will act in an authoritarian way in front of others to subjugate them these people will hate him inside they won't have the love but because they're doing his bidding because of the authority that this person enjoys then that also gives a problem in the heart so now you can understand where all of this is, is just very fine, very, th- th- there's issues to be had at each of these places, in each of these instances. وَالْخُصُوصِيَّ وَالْكَرَامَاتِ Another one is for a person who likes to be distinguished from others for particular reasons. Again, that leads to these same blameworthy traits. وَحَلَاوَةُ الطَّاعَاتِ الْحِسِّيَّ Now this is on a very high level. Feeling the, the, the pleasure of perceptible worships should be done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not to enjoy. The enjoyment should be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says this is the status of normal worshippers and normal zahids, people who want to abstain from things, not the, 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 the ones with ma'rifah, but the ones who are not there yet, they do this for, per, for pleasure through this worship. Just like with other people, they get their pleasure out of tennis, out of swimming. They get a certain pleasure out of that. It gives them a sense of fulfillment. These people get a sense of fulfillment in ibadat. And this is probably the state of most of us today. We, what leads us into this stage is, to, is that we get a certain pleasure. We're trying to build that pleasure because right now it's a struggle. So you're trying to build that pleasure, but that's still just the status of ibadat, raw ibadat. It's not there yet. He doesn't leave anybody alone. And likewise for scholarship. The love to know more details. The love to know all of these details of why something is like this. Uh, historical details, grammatical details, just basically academic details. This is talking about pure academia for the sake of academia. And for example, Imam Shafi'i, he relates, he says, <clears throat> if the kings and the wealthy people knew the pleasure that we got from studying a single mas'ala, then they would leave all of that to come and study this. But there's a threshold you have to get beyond to get this level. Again, there's a fitna in that level as well. Just because somebody is an academic, we can't blame them that they're at that stage, but it's, that's their challenge. Because... Allah should reign supreme in all of these things. So now these are all, can you see these are more difficult than the first ones? The first one we know we're getting pleasure out of eating too much or sleeping too much. And here, this one is much more difficult because all of these are cloaked in praiseworthy things. Becoming a good scholar, doing lots of worship. So there's an aspect there. That's why he says, فَأَمَّا عِلَاجُهَا وَالنَّفْسِ when it comes to remedying the desires of the nafs, that's a very possible thing. 
that's something easy to happen. Some of you may be sitting there and saying that this is where I'm struggling. I can't get away from just going out with friends, from just enjoying myself, from not working hard, from all of this. <clears throat> but he says that, <clears throat> he said it's easy, which means it has to be easy. At least that's optimistic for us. يمكن علاجه بالفرار من أوطان ذلك والزهد وصحبة الأخيار. The ways of reformation from these things is to run away from such places where you fall into this kind of passion, places where which are of bad company, places where uh, to to stop frequenting these kind of friends or situations or friends or, or places, and keeping good company. And abstinence from these things. This is the way to remove this because you will feel a withdrawal symptoms in the beginning, but it will get easier. As far as remedying the desires of the heart, if that's if that's possible, for huwa sa'bun, that is difficult. That is a very difficult matter. That is what he calls the incurable sickness. Meaning, extremely difficult to cure sickness. الذي أعضل الأطباء أعجزهم وحبسهم عن إلاجه. Even the physicians have been exhausted by trying to find their remedies. This just shows the complexity of Allah's handiwork in this world. The heart, the mind is such a complex institution within the human being that nobody has been able to understand it fully. Until today, psychologists are trying to understand the mind. They claim they've understood, but then they find a contradiction. Every mind is different. The heart is different. When they say mind, they obviously mean heart, but they just don't mention it because they think heart is just a biological uh, pump of uh, uh, you know biological organ, whereas it's actually much more than that. That's and because of this inability on part of the physicians as well. That's why. These, uh, these, this type of uh, sickness is more—it's become more settled. So, how do you remove it? Again, this is Alhamdulillah. Islam is a a religion of hope. It's got answers. Allah provides answers to everything. He created us. He knows the way out. وَإِنَّمَا يُخْرِجُهُ وَارِدٌ إِلَهِ بِعِنَايَةٍ سَابِقَةٍ بِوَاسِطَةٍ أَوْ بِغَيْرِ وَاسِطَةٍ what will take it out is special attention from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When Allah wants to gift a person. So the, what you do in this case is you ask Allah. There are certain things you can do and try yourself through exertion. The other one is the exertion of dua. To ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for ma'rifah. To do more mujahada. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives inayah. And then <clears throat> he mentions, لَا يُخْرِجُ الشَّهْوَةَ مِنَ الْقَلْبِ إِلَّا خَوْفٌ مُزْعِجٌ which we're not going to look at today, it'll take too long. But the desire of the heart will can only be taken out by by a fear that really overtakes you. It's a khawf, it's a fear that really troubles you. That will then lead you to do something about it. So it's a state of desperation. This desperation I don't think we have to worry about right now because we're not there yet it seems but this is that state that the people will go in subhanallah if you look at if you read the biographies of the pious you'll notice that they have come across these stages there'll be certain stages where they'll just be totally withdrawn they will just totally be withdrawn and you'll see them crying profusely you know a certain phase in their life 
They go, these, these are stages people have to go through. These are stages people have to go through. Oh, shawkum muqlik. If it's not the fear, then it's extreme shawk. That is extreme desire for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which then leads a person and propels a person closer to him and to forget all of these things because the maqsood becomes so, the object of our desire becomes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The object of our interest becomes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now my conclusion from all of this and something that I've been thinking about for the last week or so is that really in our life there are three things that we need to have. There are three things that we need to have that will then shape us, that will drive us and that will protect us. So it will drive us in the right direction, it will protect us from the wrong things and it will drive us to the high level. Right? Number one is to get our priorities right. Our dream, desire, objective and goal needs to be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jannatul Firdaus and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Saddidu wa qaribu. Hit the mark or get close. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that the, Prophet, that, that the human beings, they're not always going to hit it right. This is al insanu da'ifa. The human is weak. We have a lot of temptation, weaknesses. He knows we're not always going to be hitting right. And that's why Allah doesn't expect us to be 100%. We, when I say this, I say this because in the hadith it mentions that there's a hadith which mentions that somebody said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's a, there's a narration which says, somebody said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, make me of those who never sin. So Allah said to him that if everybody asked for that, and I was to accept that idea, I was to accept that from everybody, then who would I have my fadl and grace upon? Who would I forgive? How would my ghafoor, ghaffar, and so on, how would that then be expressed? So the fact is, all of this tells us that sins, mistakes, blemishes, faults, weaknesses are inevitable. But what's the most important thing is to get close at least. What that means is simply, if you're doing target practice, if you're going in a direction, at least get your tom-tom and go right, in the right direction. Don't head south, don't head east, don't head west. And if you're going to go straight, don't take a detour. Get straight. That is your direction. Yes, you may still end up losing yourself and ending up somewhere else, but then you'll still be close enough. So the idea is that even if you don't hit the mark when you're firing, you'll at least get close. Saddidu wa qaribu. Saddidu means hit the mark and qaribu means get close. Then the Prophet ﷺ in another version of this hadith said, وَأَبْشِرُوا And accept the glad tiding. If you've done this, this is your perspective, then accept the glad tiding. Our biggest problem today is that our focus is not right. We dilly-dally in that regard. Our focus is weak. Yes, we all want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it's not our focus. We change our focus a lot. Then only when we're reminded, when we sit in a bayan or lecture or something like that, we reorient ourselves. Okay, okay, tomorrow, from today I'm going to do this. Astaghfirullah tawbah, you know? And then we reorient ourselves. But if it's in our mind every day, every day, every day, in our mind, few times a day, Allah, 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 that's our, that's our mind. whole purpose of our dhikr, etc. is to, to, to make that foremost in our mind. Then everything we'll do will suddenly fall in place in the right direction. You'll still be enjoying yourself in the dunya, halal enjoyment, but your maqsad, your goal is right, your intention is right. The physical aspects of it will just be carrying you along. That's it. There'll just be side aspects. But if you're aiming in the wrong direction, you know, this is the job that I want. 
you will want the job, but if your job is part of in the direction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that's fine. It's the same thing. Just don't aim it in that direction. Just don't make it a different goal. It's, a, it's just something on the pathway to our main goal. It's not a separate goal. So don't just aim in the wrong direction. I'm doing, you know, uh, target practice suddenly. I just start facing that direction. Everybody's going to call me silly. Stupid. So face in the right direction. I may not hit the mark, but I'll get close. But then that's, accept the glad tidings that this is what is required from you. You don't expect him to get a bullseye all the time. So the first and foremost, I believe in everything is perspective. If we can remember our death, standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where we're going to be in Jannah, then you'll see that life will become a bit easy because it's all about perspective. Right? When we lose that perspective, then it's just like so difficult. Then we'd rather enjoy going out with friends. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going out with good friends. I'm talking about when it's bad. That's what I'm talking about. Um, wasting time, wrong ideas, not fully understood of things. You know, all of these things. Get the perspective right. Believe me, it helps so much. I'm saying this practically speaking. If I can just think of the akhirah once or twice a day, and I'm going to die one day, suddenly all this desire to have a bigger house, then it becomes tempered. You start looking at it more realistically. right? The, the desire to have this, that and the other. Like for example, I have this insatiable um, appetite for learning a lot of things. You know, I wish I could just drop a lot of other responsibilities that I have and just sit and learn. But again, what's my perspective in that? What's my ambition goal now? When I remember the hereafter, then I suddenly start realizing that this is helpful, but if I make that exclusive, then it's not helpful. It has to fit into my worldview. It has to fit into my goal, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I have to do the relevant things. And then you start thinking, I've only got maybe this many years of life left. Is that what I want to be spending my time on? Yes, I do to a certain degree. But is that what I want to be spending all my time? Is that all there is in the world? So if you have that akhirah, that thing, you will start realizing these things. Then things that you're emotionally attached to, which are not the things that are praiseworthy, you'll start weaning yourself of these things. That's why focus on the akhirah without getting to the extreme of that, because we're not told to be totally without hope either, right? We're not supposed to be in total fear. It is extremely powerful. Then the other two things, good company, as much as possible. This doesn't mean you leave your job. I know a number of people who come, I've got, you know, I'm, I'm in my job, I'm around all of these non-Muslims, this, that and the other, whatever. People are swearing, talking about the dunya, talking about promotions, talking about cars, talking about women, you know, whatever, whatever, right? It doesn't mean you leave your job. Yes, if your job is having a very negative impact on you, then find a better job. You have to have a job. There's, there must be some way and you pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you a job that is mashallah conducive to your religion alhamdulillah make the best of your job doesn't mean you, loo you lose your job because that's something we have to do right but at least try to compensate for that the only, the, one of the reasons I do this majlis despite the fact that I feel absolutely incapable of doing anybody else's islah right is because the sheikh said and I personally just find that once a week in the middle of all of this, there's not many gatherings happening. If there were other big gatherings happening, we don't have to do this. This is one gathering that's happening. We get together, we do some dhikr together. right? And there has to be some benefit in that. There has to be some benefit in that. 
the majlis of dhikr that, that happens is one of the most beloved company, beloved uh, gatherings that Allah subha- to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will be speaking to the angels saying, what are my servants doing? Oh, they're, they're remembering you. right? And he'll ask, uh, have they seen me? No, no, they've never seen you. So why did, then finally he will say, just tell them that I've forgiven all of them. Oh, but among them, there's a guy who came, was just sitting around, he wasn't there for the majlis. He says, it's okay, these are such a group of people that anybody who sits with them cannot be unfortunate. That's the barakah. So we're just trying to create that kind of atmosphere. Maulana Shafari Thanwi, rahmatullahi he used to do these majlis, etc. One of my uh, teachers just told me that. He said, for his own benefit. He would speak about topics that are to his own benefit so that he could have his own Islah to, to reflect over these things. So the only reason we're doing this is that to benefit from each other when we do the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So good company. If we can mean good company 24 hours, alhamdulillah. But since we can't be, which is very difficult, this is essential. This is essential. A majlis is essential. That's the whole purpose of it is essential. <clears throat> and number three, so one was having the right direction. Number two was majlis. Good company in general, specifically majlis. Number three, the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Without the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you won't feel like having that direction, except sometimes when somebody reminds you. You won't feel like good company. You'll start enjoying bad company. Dhikr is the battery, is the power, the energy that keeps you moving forwards. Otherwise, you're taken by the by the waves. If you've got a sea vessel that has no power, it's gonna be prey to the waves. It'll take it in whatever direction. If it has energy and power, it will sail in the direction that it wants. This is our example in this world. Have the direction. Have the good company and then have the energy by doing the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why if we can't do our half an hour of muraqabah, one hour of muraqabah a day, then we are weak and we start falling prey to these things. So if you're, lots of people, they say, I can't help it, I can't help it. These guys, I know I've seen them online. They're on Facebook all the time. And then once every few months, I'll get, a, I'll get an email from them. They may be in different countries or whatever. I'll get an email from them saying, I need help, I need help, I don't know what to do, I just can't, you know, I, I, I'm always messing up. Well, obviously, you don't do dhikr, you're going you're gonna to get messed up. You don't have good company, and you, you don't have dhikr. There's no way you're, you, you, you're reminded of your goal once in a while, but you don't have the dhikr to continue forward. There's no way you're going to do this without the dhikr. A sheikh can help you to a certain degree and spur you on, but you're not even coming to the majlis. You're not going to meet your sheikh, whoever that sheikh is, you know, right? Without dhikr, you can sit and do whatever you want. We will be prey to the world. You start losing yourself. Your heart starts being afflicted. Our heart's already afflicted, but if we do dhikr, at least it gets away from these things. Believe me, this, the, after thinking a lot, these are three most important things that I found. Dhikr, company, and perspective. And they're all intertwined. The company helps you to do your dhikr. The dhikr helps you to start off wanting good company and straightening your perspective. Perspective helps you to keep doing your dhikr 
and wanting good company because it helps you to get you to your objective and it protects you from going in the wrong direction or focusing in the wrong direction. So finally, <coughs> what he says, what the commentator says here, Sheikh Abdullah Gangohi, some physical ailments deteriorate to the degree of incurab- incur- uh, incurability and the patient is rendered terminally ill. The case of spiritual ailment is similar. Physically that happens sometimes, spiritually that's happening as well, he said. Everyone is plagued with lowly desires and the desires for worldly pleasure. But when the pleasure of some lowly desire becomes ingrained in the heart, the disease becomes incurable. Faith, obedience and the seeking of forgiveness, although these are remedies for spiritual ailments, as long as the disease has not been ingrained in the heart. After entrenchment in the heart, he doesn't make that distinction between how and nafs and nafs, because this is just a mukhtasar, right? Um, he says, after something like that becomes entrenched in the heart, then only the grace of Allah Most High can eliminate it, which means lots of du'a. Shawku muqlik, or I said, khawfun, muz'ij, the extreme fear, um, or uh, extreme desire for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is therefore essential that the traveler prevents spiritual ailments from becoming ingrained in the heart. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Allahumma anta salam anta salam tabarakti wa dal jalali wa likawm. Allahumma ya hayu ya qiyum wa rahmatika astawid. Allahumma ya hinna ni ya minna la ilahe illa adu subhanak inna kunna min al-zalimin. Sallallahu anhiya muhammadun ma huwa ahli. Oh Allah accept our du'as. Oh Allah accept our du'as. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you for your mercy. Oh Allah, we ask for your compassion. We ask for your forgiveness. Oh Allah, we've spent many, many years just fulfilling our desires. Oh Allah, we've spent many years pursuing our desires. Oh Allah, we never had you as our focus. We'd only be reminded of you sometimes. Oh Allah, we ask that you make us, you make, <coughs> you make us focus on you more than anything else. Oh Allah, we ask that you become our object, uh, objective in this life. Your pleasure becomes our objective. Oh Allah, oh Allah. How many more years are we going to stay like this? Oh Allah, we ask that you give us good company. We ask that you make us of those who remember you abundantly. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you keep us strong. You remove our weaknesses. You remove our weaknesses. You remove our weaknesses. You grant us strength through your remembrance. You grant us strength through your remembrance. Oh Allah, we ask that you make all of our surrounding and our company conducive for our worship of you. Oh Allah, the Muslims around the world are going through difficult times. We ask that you make this, you relieve us from these problems. Oh Allah, that you make us true representatives of your Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on this earth. Oh Allah, that you make it easy for us to remove the desires in our life, the false desires in our life, and to make you our ultimate objective. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you purify our hearts. You take out from our heart that love that we have, that excessive love that we have for this dunya and its different pleasures. Oh Allah, we ask that you remove the difficulties, you remove the the weaknesses, you remove the negative attractions from our life. Oh Allah, we ask that you have your mercy on us, you have your mercy on us. We have no one else to go to. Oh Allah, we can only ask you, we can only ask you can only ask you. Oh Allah, accept. Oh Allah, accept our gathering together. Oh Allah, accept our gathering together and grant us ikhlas and sincerity and strength. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun alal mursaleen. Alhamdulillah.